The um, Bible verse today is from Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, a nice short one today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with the awe, with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your written word this morning and that your spirit who is here present with us is faithful to speak to us personally uh, through your inspired word. So we ask that you would uh, open our hearts this morning and open our minds to receive a word that you would have for us personally, Lord, that we may find a greater measure of life in you um, and in, in your word. Lord, draw us deeper into relationship with you, we pray this morning. Lord, to know you at a level that we haven't known you before, to, uh, to understand or, or uh, have revealed to us something about your nature, your character that we hadn't thought of before. We just thank you for this privilege of being together as the body of Christ in this, in this place, Lord, of being a body of believers um, who are on that same trajectory of, of seeking you and pursuing you um, and wanting to know you. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing, acceptable to you, a rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, um, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I, I didn't tend to take a whole lot of notice of people's wealth, um, whether they were wealthy or poor, whether they had a lot or had a little. Um, and, I, and I didn't really take much notice of how that connected to their sense of fulfillment, their sense of happiness or contentment. Um, you know, as a kid, you just kind of live in this blissful state of ignorance about these things. You just kind of get on with things and enjoy life. But as I grew up, I, I began to notice more and more, especially in my teenage years, uh, the people around me who seemed to be different in a good kind of way. Uh, people who were just, they seemed to be at peace. They seemed to just kind of... Uh, enjoy life. They were kind and considerate of others. Uh, they seemed to just love serving others. Uh, they, they weren't on edge, about to crack it if something kind of went wrong. Um, and I'm not sure I realised it at the time when I was sort of late teens, early 20s, but looking back now, the common thread with all of these people who just seemed to have a joy and a contentment and a peace in their life the common thread was that they lived simple lives. Not uh, poor, necessarily, uh, but there was no extra in their lives and, and what they had, no extravagance. So one example was the old lady at church who had a prayer life that made me want to pray. The youth pastor who spent uh, hours upon hours 
with teenagers and lived in a caravan with his wife. Uh, the family who, felt, who had what felt like a dozen kids, probably only three or four, uh, but they lived in a tiny house furnished completely with things from Gumtree or Facebook Marketplace. You know, th- those are the people who had something that I, I knew I wanted as I grew up. And I think this uh, gave me an appreciation of something that's very true, but you won't hear very often, that a life of simplicity is better than a life of extravagance and complexity and abundance. You, you might say it this way, when you live simply, you can simply live. Jesus wants a greater measure of life for us and when we live simply, we can actually just simply live. I'm, I'm not talking just about living off less money, of course, and not just talking about not buying nice things. Uh, there's lots of ways to live with simplicity instead of with complexity. Uh, carving good things out of our schedule so we make time for the best things. Uh, like family and, and God and relationships, friendships with others. Uh, setting aside perfection in some things and settling for mediocrity. And when it comes to being disciples of Jesus and sharing our faith, I think it's the same kind of principle. Simplicity is, I believe, the better way. Uh, You can read 10 books a month, get a theology degree, attend four different Bible studies and try to do every devotional on New Version. Or you can spend 20 minutes a day with a Bible and a journal in your lap, quiet before God, reflecting and researching more when he leads you. And the chances are that that approach, rather than the 17 Bible studies and the theology degree, will lead you to grow closer to God. When it comes to sharing your faith, you can be an expert on evangelism and missional living and methods of disciple-making. You can attend conferences and seminars and learn a 100 different tools on how to share your faith and do the Ripple Effect series 17 times. Or you can choose five friends to pray for, ask God to open opportunities for you to talk to them about Jesus, and the chances are that that will result in more people coming to Jesus. Simple obedience trumps complex theory every single time. And yet we seem to be really good at the church in the church at lots of complexity and lots of theorizing, not so much simplicity. Simplicity in, in so many respects is the better way and the way of life Jesus invites us into. But there, there is something in particular about money and possessions in all of this. Uh, that means it impacts our lives Um, It impacts our peace, impacts our joy uh, at quite a deep level. That that, uh, money and possessions, our wealth, it's connected back to most other areas of our life, right, in some way. And having seen the way of life, for me as I grew up, having seen the way of life of simplicity and how that can lead to great contentment and peace in others, and observing some of those people, I now get the joy to and the and the, the learning experience of, of of learning that myself as a adult with an income. You know, what what do I do with this now? You know, as a husband, as a dad, 
to discover the joy that comes and the life that comes from a life of simplicity. Uh, one of those questions people you know, sometimes like to discuss is, does more money make you happy? So what do you think? Does more money make you happy? I've had yes and no already. No. No? Depends. Everybody who says no on this side of the... No, no. Well, there's actually been some very comprehensive studies that have been done to get a definitive answer to this age-old question. Is there a correlation between a person's wealth and their happiness? Does, in essence, does more money make people more happy? The answer was yes. The more money you have, the happier you are. Sort of. (laughs) So there's been some... Some really thorough studies done, and one of them, there's a couple that seem to conflict, but the, one, of, one of them that was a, a major study done by a university uh, found that up to a certain annual income, happiness steadily increased, but after that amount, it plateaued. So if, for example, you're working three jobs and still living on meagerang and sleeping on a really bad mattress on the floor that the springs poke into your back, yes, some more money is going to bring a smile to your face. That's proven. If, on the other hand, you're living in a five-bedroom house with no mortgage, two cars, and plenty of cash to splurge on nice holidays, and so on and so forth, then more money probably isn't going to help. It may even just bring more stress. There's a threshold somewhere, right? So once you earn over a certain amount, more income won't make you any happier. Now, put your hand up if you just thought, I'm pretty sure I'm under that threshold. I'm still... (laughs) Oh, none of you. Oh, yeah, one person's honest, right. Another study showed some slightly different results. At first, I thought, these clash, but there is some consistency between these two studies that were done. Uh, It showed that happiness does keep increasing as income goes up, and it keeps going, there's not really a, a threshold, but it wasn't consistent. Essentially, when these, these researchers came together, what they realised, no big surprise, is that yes, money can help, but there are more factors than just wealth and our income than bring, that bring happiness and contentment and peace, which I, I think we probably know. With all that said, I don't think Jesus just wants us to be happy. I think Jesus came to say, you know, uh, um, uh, the good news is, you know, the kingdom of heaven is here, um, uh, I'm here to make you happy. (laughs) That wasn't his opening words. I think Jesus wants us to be fulfilled, to experience joy in the truest sense, to live a life where we are satisfied, at least to the extent that's possible this side of heaven, because one day he's coming back to make everything right again, And that's where ultimate fulfillment comes. But in the meantime, to be satisfied in him, to be fulfilled in him. Jesus has a better way for us than a life that's striving, unfulfilled, stressful, complex, weighed down. And part of that better way is a life of a way of simplicity. More wealth won't lead to a better life. How we use it may well lead to the life God really has for us this side of heaven. So in Acts chapter 2, the passage we we read earlier, we read the last five, six verses. We read that the earliest Christians devoted themselves to to a few very simple ways of living. And it was so attractive 
this way of life they engaged in, that people were literally choosing to join them and become followers of Jesus every single day. Now, just so you know, that's not the case here. Like, the people don't look from outside and go, wow, I see something in those billabong people that is so incredibly attractive and amazing that we're getting new members and baptizing new people every single day. It's just that's not what's happening right now, just so you know. But back then, people were literally going, I want the life they have right now, those believers, those followers of Jesus. I want the joy. I want the peace. I want the wonder that they have. And the amazing thing about this passage that always just you know, blows me away is that we are told exactly the kind of lifestyle that they practiced that brought about this better life that others wanted so desperately. So it stands to reason that we could learn from what they did and take it on board as some good advice, right? If that's how good life ended up for them, that it was so attractive, others just wanted in. Here's what they did. Verse 42 and then the latter part of the passage, 46 and 47, says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. In short, they devoted themselves to some simple patterns of fellowship learning and prayer, these simple rhythms of meeting together. The, uh, the average churchgoer these days in Australia attends Christian fellowship of some kind less than weekly. Uh, the National Christian Life Survey research, when they're now talking about a, a regular, somebody who regularly attends church, quote-unquote, uh, they talk about someone who attends once a month or more. That's regular now. Um, now, is this just because we're not a society that's, that's into ritual and consistency and patterns or uh, rhythms of meeting anymore? Absolutely not. You check out any of the gatherings that happen at this building midweek, Weight Watchers, Zumba, dance classes, People attend consistently one, two, three, sometimes five or six times a week in these kinds of activities. My kids have a Taekwondo membership. And way back when I was doing sport and different things, it was like you paid the... We didn't. Mum and Dad paid the membership fee and it was for the Saturday soccer game and maybe training on Tuesday or for the weekly once a week badminton class. These days, that my kids have micro and desire, Taekwondo membership at the Taekwondo place in Canningvale Industrial Area and they can go to five classes a week. If they wanted to go to two different... Um, uh, uh, age groups, because they're sort of in the between stepping up to the next age group now, they could go to, they could go 10 times in their membership. Karen regularly takes them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday because the consistency is sort of a healthy, it's a rhythm, it builds consistency, it's a pattern in our weekly schedule. Um, and it's really been really good for Micah with some of the stuff he's been dealing with in terms of the self-control and everything. That's People are not averse to a consistency and a rhythm and a pattern these days. 
And yet meeting with uh, other believers for input and prayer and, and to build each other up, somewhere along the line has become not like those kinds of activities, but like going to the petrol station or the grocery store. Like when I need a top up, depending on how depleted I am, I'll make the effort. That's kind of the attitude sometimes we have now. Now, whether that be church, whether that be you know, going to a life group, whether that be praying with other believers, what if simple, consistent patterns, simple, consistent rhythms is part of the better way that Jesus has for us, the way that leads to life? We see in our, our readings what the result of this kind of simple pattern of meeting together was. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. The result was awe and wonder, unity and belonging, which I think most people are looking for. A few weeks ago, um, a friend of mine uh, sent a video to um, a, a WhatsApp group of um, pastors who kind of lead the pastors' networks. It's almost pastors of pastors all around Perth and WA, right? pastors who are leading the pastors' prayer groups in, in different regions. She sent through this video of a young adult uh, who's been a Christian for about a couple, a couple of years, and this this girl was sharing um, at a at a prayer meeting with some some pastors and leaders from around Perth. This girl was sharing uh, about the journey of her and some friends who have been doing prayer walks all around Perth for the last six to 12 months. And they pray in and around uni campuses and schools and churches. They're about to start uh, uh, in these, these weeks now pra- prayer walking around nursing homes, all just because they, they they've feel God wants them to do that. And, and this girl who was sharing this, you could feel through the little video on my phone, you could feel the absolute joy that this 20-something-year-old had from being part of this group who every week just got together and prayed, prayer walked around some random place believing that when they prayed, God would hear and answer. And you could hear how this this girl just considered it such an honour to do this. Not like, oh, it's such hard work. We've got to do it every Thursday at 7am. Please come help us. It It was like she'd found the best possible path to take in life and was just living it and going, this is amazing. Just that consistency of meeting together with friends and praying just because. That girl's name is Sienna. She came, became a Christian in this church um, because, well, because Jesus stepped into her life, but really because another group of young adults chose to rock up every week on a Friday night, even when sometimes they didn't want to, and hang out with teenagers. And Sienna came to that youth group when she was a teenager, um, found there's something different in this space. Why do these people get rocking up just to love me and discovered Jesus and um, is now just going leaps and bounds ahead with Jesus. 
And as I said, it's not because those young adults from our church over recent years wanted to rock up every Friday because they didn't have something better to do and they, 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 were, you know, they weren't busy enough, but because they just chose to simply keep showing up. And the result of this kind of simple consistency and rhythm, rhythms and patterns is, as we saw in the passage, awe and wonder, unity and belonging. A life of simplicity, a life of devotion, devotion. Showing up again and again. This is what leads to what our hearts really desire. If we keep reading, uh, we read that those first disciples of Jesus, they sold, their pro- they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. A couple of chapters later in the book of Acts, you get a similar passage in uh, chapter 4, and uh, um, this is about the life of the believers together. It says this, All the believers were one of one heart, one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. There were no needy persons among them, for, for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Remember that, that research I mentioned that found on the one hand people were happier if they had more, but then only to a certain point, and that wealth can increase quality of life, but it's not the, the only factor. It's like these early Christians understood this. They just got it, and they decided to live accordingly. They didn't need the research, didn't need the university studies. They just went, we know what works here. If they had more than they needed, it would go to those who didn't have enough. They seem to understand that a life of simplicity, a life where I, I just have enough, it's not, a, uh, it's not a life that's lacking because I could have more and what if I had these luxuries that will make me more comfortable? A life of enough, a life of simplicity. They just seem to understand this is best, especially when I'm able to help someone else have enough as well. Now, what I wonder as I read this then is... Uh, how did they get this at this point in time? This is really early in the piece. It's interesting uh, to see this so early in the book of Acts, not 20 years down the track as they're learning to walk by faith and, 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 and live in obedience to the Holy Spirit, but at this early point, almost like it was embedded in their thinking right from the beginning, not something that they learned down the track. And if you study the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Luke is an account, if you don't know, of the life of Jesus written by Luke. And then Acts is an account of the early church once Jesus has ascended written by Luke. So Luke wrote Luke and Acts. And if you study the two together, you see that Luke makes kind of hints or nods back to the words and the ways of Jesus in the book of Acts. You see things that Jesus did or taught the disciples to do later playing out in the early church. And I think this may be an example of that. How did they get so easily, this is, this is just the best way to live? Well, in Luke 9 and 10, Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. No Holy Spirit with them yet, just some observation of the way Jesus did things. And Jesus goes, right, you two, Go proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven is here to that town. You two, go to that town. You two, go to that town, right? Scary mission, right? And then you just give it a try. But he gives them some advice. In fact, some specific instructions. He says this, 
Take nothing for the journey. Can you imagine that? No staff, no bread, sorry, no bag, no bread, no money. So it's not like you can pop into Macca's because you have no bread and no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Now that's not, he's not saying go squat. <laughs> he's saying whoever accepts you in, go accept their hospitality. Don't take anything that you don't need. And Jesus' definition of need here is questionable, right? <laughs> right? How are we going to eat, Jesus? Well, like we don't have relatives we can stay with. We don't know anyone in these places. Don't we need to take supplies with us for the, for the mission? You know, we're going to have to come back after a day because we're starving. But Jesus gives them the answer. You'll have what you need through others. When you enter a house, this is in the next chapter, he sent similar advice to the 72. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there. In other words, anyone who accepts you, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. Jesus was teaching them to rethink what they need, to live and work simply with nothing extra, just trusting God to provide along the way because God has everything you need. And what do we see in the book of Acts? A number of years later, as they're now, Jesus has ascended into heaven, they've received the Holy Spirit, what do they do? They're laying down what they have for others to have, so that they have what they need. Why, why this mindset? What's the worldview? Why live this way? What's the worldview that leads to this kind of simplicity, this kind of just simple trust in Jesus, this, this generosity? What's the worldview? What, what, what's the perspective they have? That means they can so readily do this, sell property and lay down the sale of the land. Here's the worldview in case you missed it. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Simple line, easy to miss as you're reading this passage that we read before, but that's it. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. If God has everything I need and he loves me, and I can trust him to provide whatever circumstances arise, then I can live incredibly simply. I can release all the rest, all the extra, and be the person who God is using to provide for someone else's needs because it all belongs to God anyway. Now, I started this series uh, talking about the way of trust because really that's the essence of the better way of life that Jesus invites us into, complete and utter, utter dependence on God, trusting him with completely everything. Simplicity is just one of the most practical ways we live out that trust. If we want to live in the way of trust in Jesus, we practically do that, living in the way of simplicity, less of the extra, less of the extra stuff, extra commitments, extra luxuries, extra knowledge, extra complexity. If we live simply, then we get to simply live. So my question this morning as we, we close is, what's that look like for you? What does it look like for you today to, to make a change to live in the way of simplicity? 
Uh, is there a commitment you know and you've known for a while you just need to drop it? It's not the best thing. It might be a good thing, but not the best thing. To free up time for your family, to free up time for, for rest. Is there stuff uh, you need to put on marketplace <laughs> to sell off, to get rid of? Is there money or investments you have which can be used to further God's kingdom in some way? You know how this applies to you. I don't. Uh, but whatever it is, a life of simplicity is not going to always feel comfortable. In, in fact, it usually means sacrifice. But the essence of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that death to our own ways leads to life in Jesus and in his ways. Amen? Father, this is not the easiest thing for us to put into practice. Uh, it's almost feels like a paradox that a life of simplicity would be challenging. Um, but, Lord, we, we know uh, that this is the way that leads to life. And so, Lord, help us to see where we've developed complexity or, in some areas, abundance and extra that we don't need. And to know, Lord, how to lay that down at your feet for the purposes of your kingdom. Lord, help us to trust you in such a way that uh, it's practical and not just an airy-fairy thing, but, but, a, but a, a real, tangible way of trusting you with the things you've put in our hand, knowing that it all belongs to you, God. And if it all belongs to you, we can trust you that you will always provide. We pray this in Jesus' name.